Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now a part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have a returning guest, Pam Popper. She's the president of Wellness Forum Health. She puts out a series of videos every week on COVID and the situation around it. Really great videos. Um, They've literally been, uh, I don't know, a mental lifesaver for me and I know countless thousands of people. Pam talks about what's been going on with the situation in different cities and states and countries and She's just fantastic. She's really an amazing person that puts all this material out. So I encourage any listeners to this podcast to check her out on YouTube and to check out Wellness Forum Health um, so you can learn really the the real deal about what's going on because a lot of this information, unfortunately, is being censored. So Pam, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. We always have interesting conversations, so I'm happy to be here. What did you do when things were actually uh, not insane? What was your business about? Interestingly, it was related to this, which is how I backed into spending so much time on it. You know, I had this epiphany 25, 30 years ago that people should buy health and services related to health and diet and supplements. I mean, anything health related, the way they buy other things that are important to them, like houses and cars and appliances and retirement accounts. And um, when I started looking, when I got interested in health, which was kind of a midlife change for me, I was astounded at the disconnect between what was the everybody knows version of health and then what the data really showed. And in any other profession, like if you're in the mortgage profession and you just outright misrepresent things to people, you can go to jail. I mean, that's happened to people in the, in the finance business. You can't just lie to people and say the interest rates 3% when it's six, right? So, but you can do that in the healthcare field and there are virtually no consequences for it at all, not for anybody. And part of the reason is the government's become partners with medical institutions, uh, the medical profession, the drug makers, the vaccine makers, et cetera. So that's how this all happens. So anyway, I, my company specializes in informed medical decision-making. I don't think that we can probably clean up the institutions and the federal agencies that are partners with these uh, institutions. We're not going to get the drug makers to change anything. So let's change it at the consumer level. And our consumers are smarter than their doctors in many cases. I mean, we've had doctors ask them, hey, can I keep those articles? I never saw this before. And and so when this all started, this whole thing started, it, this was my business. So, you know, I, I prepare information for our members and I give a lot of it away for free in my newsletter, my videos. And so that's what I did here. And uh, I had no idea it was going to turn into a much bigger thing like it did. I just thought it was the usual, well, this week it's mammograms and next week it's, you know, implants. And the week after that, it's something else, you know, that I'm always looking into. So here we are almost a year later, and I still haven't run out of things to talk about. And um, we still don't have our freedom back and it's going to take a long time. It's going to be a long haul to fix this mess. It's fixable. I don't want anybody to give up hope. It's fixable, but we're going to be at this probably for the rest of my life. And I think that this will be an event like World War II where 100 years from now, people will be talking about what happened and, and who was involved in perpetrating it, fixing it and all of that. So at, at some point, 
recently in the past few months, you actually have written a book, I guess, collectively about your experiences throughout the whole year. And what's it called? And uh, we'll talk about what's in it. Yeah, it's called COVID Operation. What happened, why it happened, and what's next. And um, and I, I wanted to write that book for a couple of reasons. The first thing is we're still, you know, we have a, we have two sources of misinformation. We have the government and the party. I call it the party line. This is what you're told everybody, uh, what they tell everybody every day. We're having a massive pandemic. It's worldwide and the world's going to come to an end and we have to shelter in place and masks work. And that's the party line. Then we have misinformation within the opponents to that theory. And um, so what we've always been known for and what I'm known for, I've actually worked on some documentaries and been a consultant uh, to a lot of people in this business, mainly because my stuff is the stuff you can take to the bank. I really work at that, not because I'm so smart, but because I basically publish my methodology for arriving at conclusions. So if you don't like my conclusion, you have to say, well, I want to take away some of the criteria you use. And that gets pretty difficult for people. Like, you know, some of them are things like conflicts of interest. Do you really think we shouldn't talk about that? And how about stuff that's statistically significant, but doesn't change your life at all? That's what, that's all you have to do to get a drug approved is statistically significant results, but it may not lengthen a person's life by a single day, right? Well, so I've always been known for, here's how I do it. Here's what I found. And people don't find a lot. I mean, everybody criticizes, but not everybody, but some people criticize, but I don't really get a lot of flack from, from people saying I'm wrong about stuff, right? So I wanted to put out a wellness forum health slash Pam Popper version of the story where we wouldn't take risks. I mean, there's so much to talk about here and there's been so much wrongdoing that you don't have to go out and make outrageous statements like the virus doesn't exist in order to get people's attention. And, And I don't think we need to do things like that that just make it muddy the waters and that sort of thing. So the Pam Popper slash Wellness Forum Health version of things in an easy to understand. One of the things people say about this book is it's like reading a mystery novel. It's all true, but it engages the reader. It's not above anybody's head. I mean, I've had high school students read it and um, you get a pretty good idea of what's going on. And on the one hand, you get some reassurance that this is fixable. On the other hand, it's just horrifying. So what are, what are some things that you know now a year into this that you didn't know at the beginning that are really important for people to know? What are you know, a couple of ideas? Yeah, well, no, there isn't anything that I would go back and say, boy, we really got that wrong. I don't think that that's what I would say. What I would say is that the longer this has gone on, the more dark it is, like how how bad the people are and, and how nefarious their intentions are. I think I have a, a bigger and better understanding of that right now. And it's just, it's Hitler-esque. I mean, I, I, I take a little heat for making that comparison, but a lot of other history buffs, this is kind of an interesting thing that I'll share with you. You know, people talk all the time about the fractured relationships that have happened in their life. And I've had mm-hmm. those too. And some of those people I'll never have a relationship with again, most likely. But then a whole new set of people who you have more in common with, and in some cases are far more interesting actually show up. So some World War II buffs from around the world have been sending me information, some of which isn't published in books and that sort of thing, but they had family members that went through it and everything. And and the more information that people send me, the more this is exactly the Nazi playbook. I mean, Hitler would have been a great asset to these people. And if he were still alive today, he would think that what they're doing is pretty like rock starish for him. You know, the fact that they have so much more resources than he did. I mean, he, he was really bright because he managed to do this evil stuff without social media and, 
you know, that sort of thing. But, but these people have so many more resources and so they can do so much more damage to so many more people so much more quickly. They've killed more people I, and I can back this up. They've killed more people uh, just in 2020 as, the, as a consequence of their policies than Hitler killed in the death camps during the entirety of World War II. Really? Yeah. How many people? How many people do you estimate have been uh, have actually been killed? Well, I think when you look at starvation, you know, and, and people, a lot of the sheep don't understand this, but I've been to places in Africa where the economic situation is so precarious. There are people working, for example, in the townships outside of Johannesburg, but if they miss a paycheck, they're eating the neighbor's garden to survive, right? So when you lock people like that down and, and you take away their incomes for even a week, they can't eat, they can't function, and they did it for months. So, so we've got people starving to death. Um, the leading cause of death in 10 to 14-year-olds in Ohio right now is suicide. There has been uh, a friend of mine who was visiting a funeral home to pick up her brother's ashes and said she talked to the funeral home. She said, are you guys busy? He goes, yeah, but not from COVID. He goes, we're busy from all the suicides and overdoses and people dying of despair in nursing homes and that sort of thing. Uh, our little emperor got on TV and you know he's famous for lying in his press conferences every day. And um, uh, he said something about body bags and a at this um, coroner's office and the guy, the coroner who he referred to created a YouTube video after this and said, there were a lot of body bags in my office. It wasn't from COVID. It was from suicides and overdoses and, and mm. that sort of thing. So, so that's just a smattering of what's happened. You've got, there's a new Jeez. thing they're putting on death certificates for older people now called failure to thrive. And this is where somebody in a nursing home just says, if I have to live this way, I'd just rather die. They stop eating, they curl up in a ball and die. And in yeah. Canada, you can opt for assisted suicide. And that's what's going on in a lot of the nursing homes. They're just saying, I'd rather die now than live this way anymore. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click on Support Us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click Support Us today. Now back to the show. Jesus, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's it, and and but of course the you know I want to I want to talk to the sheep who think this is okay. I would like to get some of the sheep on uh, on television and and confront them with this information. You, it, it's like the people in World War II. I, I I've started out having some compassion for the sheep, and then I've changed my mind over time about this because they're no different than the people in World War II who said, "Put the flipping star on your arm. It's the way you're going to get groceries. Get along." Mm-hmm. And we well we see how that turned out, right? So. So, yeah, that's what these people are doing. So what, um, at this point, who are the major players now that you can look back again over the year? Like who, who started this, who's perpetuating it and why? There's one piece that we don't know. I'll start with that. We, what we do know is that this is a virus that was created in a lab and this whole episode started in Wuhan. 
And there has been some evidence that the virus was in other places, but the political debacle, which this, this is a political debacle, it's not a pandemic. So the, the political debacle started in Wuhan. And what we don't know is if this thing accidentally, somebody walked out of the lab and it happened to be a person who got particularly sick because there are vulnerable people every flu season. Or the other side of it is it could have been deliberate. We're going to get somebody infected who's vulnerable because the Chinese do that. You know, they don't really have much respect for human life. And then um, and then we can start the whole ball rolling. But however it happened, when that first um, individual was identified in Wuhan, the Chinese saw this as an opportunity to gain, uh, to first of all, hurt Trump, uh, hurt the election. They were very involved in the election fraud as well. I've seen pretty good evidence of that myself to shut down the world. I mean, they, they wanted to hurt the, the United States economically, but they wanted to hurt the entire world economically because then they could be the world's economic leader. And mm. so, and then the World Health Organization had sown a really close relationship with this criminal Tedros, who's head of the World Health Organization, facilitated by Gates, by the way, who's friends with both of them. Um, I think George Soros had a lot to do with it. That um, that creep who leads the World Economic Forum, you know, all the all the global, Schwab. yeah, Schwab. He's a he's a real sweetheart. All those people had a play in it. I think that um, a lot of politicians in the United States were involved. One thing that that I just found out that's kind of interesting is that uh, there are four states. Uh, well, the World Health Organ. I'll start with the World Health Organization stopped reporting deaths from flu in February of 2020. That was their last report. There are four states in the United States who stopped reporting flu to the CDC. And those were Michigan, New York. They stopped in February. Michigan, California, New York, and New Jersey. And it's hard to attribute that to some kind of random chance type thing. And interestingly Mm. enough, those those are four of the places where the worst, most god-awful things have happened. um, I don't know. My analogy... I don't know if you like this, but there's now slave states and free states, just like in the Civil War, except the slaves are the entire population of the state. Right. And, uh, you know, yeah, we know what the slave states are. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So then, you know, it took on a life of its own and uh, and it took a while. I mean, they're not going to win this. They're not going to win this at all. And they're already having big trouble, which is delightful to watch, because when you're organizing a major criminal enterprise like this worldwide, you have a lot of people you got to maintain control over and you're going to screw some things up and they have. And um, if I I say this all the time anymore, I'm really good at organizing things and visualizing things. And it's almost a terrible word to use now, scenario planning, (laughs) but I'm good at that. And so had the criminals called me in and said, hey, Pam, what do you think of our plan? I would have said a lot of things about it, but one of the things I would have said is you guys don't have a very good exit strategy. And the biggest risk that you have is the longer this goes on, first of all, the harder it's going to be to keep everybody in line. And the second thing is people are going to get restless. And once they just start declaring their freedom, because that's one of the things I said in the book, you know, that one of the ways this could end is just people stop obeying. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. That's actually starting to happen. 600 restaurants opened in Carlsbad, California yesterday and just said, we're opening. Really? We're just doing it. Good. Yeah. Good. And that's going on all over here. I mean, there there are, and I got word from somebody who uh, knows a high up in one of the big box stores. I won't mention which one. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But 
But uh, this particular contact of mine is talking to like somebody at the vice president level of this big box store. And the word went out that we're going to stop being so dogmatic about these masks. We think we've got some liability and we just need to not be the police, you know. So so the, the whole thing is starting to fall apart. And that's even before you start thinking about our lawsuits and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's one thing that I realized really to my chagrin was that people have been weaponized against each other. That's mm-hmm. that's who's doing the enforcement in most places is people, oh, put your mask on, or that kind of right. stuff. So they've they've gotten us to police each other, Hitler which is did that despicable. Too. Hitler did it too. And Hitler, and, and the playbook for Hitler is just so close to this, you can't believe it. When he walled in the Warsaw Ghetto, it was to keep people from getting disease from Jewish people. You know, the the whole idea was was based on health and safety, safety, stay home, be safe, you know, all that garbage we hear all the time. Again, very, very big parallels to World War II. What do you think the, uh, so you think it's unraveling, which is good news. I know everyone's mm-hmm. got to keep working to keep this thing unraveling. Mm-hmm. What what was the end game to you a few months ago and has the end game changed? Like, what do you think is uh, is going to happen from here at this point? Well, the end game was supposed to be that they stole the election, we have a communist country, and, um, and the world would become one big world and all that kind of stuff. But, but from the beginning, they, they had big problems, okay? Because, and I think what they were relying on is there was a 2005 agreement that um, all the countries in the world that were members that you know, report to the WHO were, were basically saying, listen, if there's ever something really horrible, like a bubonic plague kind of thing, we would all do the same thing to protect our citizens. And by the way, I would be opposed to that. Like if there was something going on and I left my house and I was going to be struck dead on the porch, I'd like to be notified about it and I'll be happy to stay home. Okay. But that's not what this is obviously. So, so I don't, uh, you know, we don't know if that was part of the planning, but that was all done. So they, I think they were relying on that. And then you had these rogue countries like Tanzania and, and uh, Nigeria and Sweden, uh, Japan. I mean, there were a bunch of them. It was a, it, it, lots of rogue nations, <laughs> as it were. So, so you have these inconvenient things that happen. So I'll give you a statistic that will just blow your mind. And, and they use, they're getting killed by their own data. So like that Johns Hopkins map that everybody likes to spend time on, most people mm-hmm. don't really spend any time on it. But if you do, you'll find out that more people died in Ohio of COVID, so they say, than died in Nigeria. Well, Nigeria has 200 million people and we have 11.4 million people. So one question that we probably ought to ask our little emperor, and that's not the only thing, but more people died in Ohio than died in China and died in China, Korea, Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia, all put together. How is it? I mean, you would think that watching that, that what should have happened is everybody in the United States reporting on these deaths, they should have been on the phone to Nigeria to say, what the heck are you guys doing? Like you guys rock. So we want to do it too. So, so anyway, we had a lot of nations that didn't go along with everything. And then you have this disparate data and then you come to the United States. And, and so right away, things started falling apart. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So the first thing is you have to have decades of stupid people created by public education. I mean, I'm not, I don't try to mince words anymore. Well, the first thing they do is they create an environment where more kids have been withdrawn from school to be homeschooled than in the history of the United States since public education started. 
And oh, wow. it is accelerating. In other words, there are more kids being withdrawn now that school's back in session in some places than were withdrawn when this all started. All right. Hmm. Um, they shut down the healthcare system. Well, this is dependent, yep. this yep. is contingent on, on tyranny through medical treatment, right? Well, when they shut down the medical system for a few months, people got out of the habit of going and they're not going back. So 25% of healthcare workers in the United States are laid off right now. The system wow. is collapsing. So, and then of course, you know, the people like us come along, we file these inconvenient lawsuits. And so, so the, th this is not going to end well for them. And, um, and, and the other thing is they over, I would have told them this, you're going to overplay your hand and where they've overplayed their hand is we're seeing for the first time. So there's three categories of people. There's the sheep, there's the informed, and then there's the middle group who, you know, they've been kind of preoccupied with their lives and maybe thought there was probably some reason to do all this stuff. But those people are starting to come around now. And they're saying, this just can't be right. I mean, this is insane what we're doing. I do it unscientifically by just being out and about every day and seeing, you know, what percentage of people are wearing masks or if people are like cowering in fear and crossing the road to get away from me, which they used to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't see that as much anymore. I'm in uh, Austin, Texas, which is still, you know, eh, pretty liberal. But um, what do you observe? Like, how do you, how do you know that the tide is turning? Is it because people are writing into you or is it because you see or what? Well, I can't go anywhere. I haven't been anywhere for a year except the office and home for the most part. Once in a while, somebody oh, will take me to a fundraiser for our cause, but uh, it's not safe for me to be at large right now. So I have to be supervised. And I think you know what you mean, what I mean by that. And um, so, but what I, what I'm hearing is the same thing you're saying, less people masked. Um, another thing is um, I drive by, a lot of businesses going back and forth to my office from home. Mm -hmm. And uh, last night I was, <laughs> I was coming home and I drive by this great big complex and, and there must have been 200 cars in the parking lot. Well, there isn't, if all the businesses together in that whole complex were, were if, you, if you divided them up, it would still be too many based on the, the rules for today. So somebody or a group of somebody's are having a big disobedient thing going on right there are an increasing number of places and there's there's the underground um network in every state like ohio where everybody knows all the places you can go restaurants where there's no masks and and all that sort of thing and and they're oh, not okay. shutting people down they're not shutting people down we have a great program to, that keeps that from happening too really tell, tell me about that you're in ohio yeah so tell me about that and i want to ask you a little bit about the lawsuit and updates there yeah, so we have this program called Small Business Rescue. And part of it is we rescue small businesses. Like you're a massage therapist, you don't have clients, you come to our Thursday meeting, we're going to get you all booked up, okay? And we do this. We go, we go to stores, we buy everything they have. You know, just if it's not mailed to the wall, our group buys it, right? We commit to order takeout. And so we have a big aggressive, like spend money and rescue businesses. But the other thing is I started looking into it and we had a legal opinion um, done that low level people who work for the government will be just as liable as the governor if they participated in this. So we prepared a package for business owners to give to the person calling on them about their violations, quote unquote. And the, the talk goes something like this. I don't know if you're aware. And, and in the states where there's not a lawsuit yet, you use the federal cases we filed in Ohio, you referenced the case filed against the governor, but you know, there, there are an increasing number of lawsuits claiming that there's no pandemic and that this is actually fraudulent. And if that gets proven in court, the executive branch of the government that did this, the health department, the governor, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. They will have to hire their own attorneys. They could be criminally liable and they could also lose their assets. 
Well, as it turns out, we have an attorney's um, analysis here that says that that could happen to you too. And probably nobody's told you that. So I'm just gonna give you some stuff to go home and read. And you might wanna think about if you wanna come back here and start something with me and no, nothing threatening, just here, go read this. I think it will make you uh, think twice about what you're doing. So you put pressure going upstream and we just started doing this. Everything we've ever done in this, it's, they, people say it's a coincidence, but it happens every time. So we've got a lot of businesses in Ohio doing this. And uh, all of a sudden, the little emperor said yesterday, I think we're going to have to increase the size of the gatherings that are allowed. Now, we're going to have to do it real carefully. You know, he's like four foot tall frame. We're going to have to be real careful about it, but we're going to have to open open things up a little bit more. Well, the, the reason why that's happening all over the country is because they don't want to look like they're losing control. Because I think a lot of health inspectors are being given this packet and going back and saying, well, you know, I don't want to lose my house. Is, is this true? I don't want to be involved in this thing anymore, you know? But, well, what happens, by the way, when these businesses give the health inspectors the package, do they go away or do they double yeah. down and not leave? Well, one of the reasons we started doing it is that the first thing I did, I started having conference calls with business owners around the state and a continuing theme, like in Ohio, and I think it's like this in a lot of places, this, the big cities are pretty blue. And then you get outside in the suburbs and, and the smaller areas and, and it's pretty red. Okay. Right. So in those areas, there's a lot of dissent. Like one person told me that, the health inspector, when she when she pushed back, said, "You know, I got to tell you something. If I was in your situation, I'd do exactly what you're doing." So, and 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 this goes to this goes to um something that I want to make sure I don't forget to say, and that is that when we look at how disastrous this current administration is and everything else, the thing that's going to save our country is unlike other countries that have fallen to communism and socialism, we have such strong networks of local government. And um, it, it, and that local government's going to be the bane of their existence. And look at what's happened. DeSantis told Biden to take a flying leap and refused to call him the president and called him Joe and said, we're not doing anything you tell us to do. Go get lost and hung up the phone. And then North Dakota passed a law saying they're not going to obey his executive orders. I mean, you know, if he pushes too hard, he's going to have a civil war. So he's kind of sitting there in his adult state signing stuff. He doesn't even know what it is. And it doesn't end up yep. making any difference anyway. There's no way that he's drafted that stuff. I, I'm sure he's just sitting there signing stuff. And yeah, yeah. and then people are saying, we're not doing it. We're just not doing it. So, so that's trickling down. Like the local health department in the XYZ County in you know, Northwestern Ohio or whatever, these are, you're talking about your neighbors. People don't want to put their neighbors out of business. So, so the, the whole thing was ill-conceived from the get-go from the standpoint. I mean, it's well-conceived from the standpoint of they did steal the election and they managed to bankrupt a lot of people and i mean they've done a lot of damage but but the type of damage they could have done to actually like turn us into socialists so we're like we're living in a communist country or a regime like cuba or venezuela they've completely failed at doing that right now you said you know at the very beginning that uh, your relationships have changed you know i've lost some friends that just won't talk to me you know i have some new ones which is great and i include you among them what's been your experience uh, personally with your relationships what's happened or if you have an example, if you don't want to talk about that, or if someone you know. No, that no I'm happy affected. to talk about it. I've started talking about my, one of the things that's changed is I never used to talk about anything. I'm a data girl, right? So I never told anybody anything about me. Um, but my relationships have changed a lot. I've lost friends. I've lost an entire group of colleagues who drank the Kool-Aid and and um, and have say bad things about me, which I don't care. But then, it, it, but this is what I think about this. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to imply that people are disposable. 
But as I look back, um, some of the relationships that I lost, I think were pretty precarious and I just didn't see it. And one mm -hmm. particular group, for example, I almost went out of my way to make sure that they never knew my political orientation and that kind of stuff. So I just don't want to live that way anymore. I'm 64 years old. And if you don't want to talk to me because I'm a Republican, well, then just don't talk to me. I don't care. You know, I mean, I, don't, I want to talk to people who are Democrats. I have friends who are Democrats and they're still friends through all this. Right. So I don't feel that way about members of the other party. But but really, if you want to make your contact list based on that, great, then audios to you. If you think that scientific agreement is the way to move health forward, you need to be out of my life and I don't want anybody to know that I even know you. So I, I, I kind of feel like it was like a big cleansing of um, and flushing out of stuff that maybe wasn't very genuine. And then in place of that have come people who I can have real conversations with like you. And there are many of those kinds of people. And uh, when we are at the place where we're able to fly around and move around like we want to again, I think we ought to have like one ginormous convention of all the free thinkers of COVID and we'll have a, a blast together. And, and a lot of us are gonna be lifelong friends. And I think we're going to do something constructive to help our people and help the country all together. We're going to do that. So you're saying things are unraveling, but um, you're also saying there's gonna be a long road. So what, you know, if you forecast out the next year, like what, what do you see happening? Um, I think that they, they will continue to loosen things up in not because they want to but because they have to look like they're in control in other words i'm pretty sure that probably the little emperor here is getting a lot of pushback from his own people saying you know i used to be able to get these people to just straighten up and do what i say and now they're just saying i'm not doing it so and i'm sure that's that you know newsom when he started opening up california it's because the entire counties in the northern part of california just said we're opening you know that's what we're yep. doing uh, so it, it's better to say, you know, this morning I decided we should open some stuff up. Doesn't that sound better than, hey, governor, how come everybody's like doing their own thing now? So I think we're going to continue to see that kind of thing. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see kids taken out of school. I think we're going to file a lawsuit like the one we filed in Ohio and New Mexico and every single state. We have three more we're working on now. I think we are, we're going to see this um, more resistance to a lot of things. It's, I think that there's a whole school of thought that says that this had to get this bad for a lot of people to see how bad it is. Like the, the, um, the current administration is so bad. I was just looking at that bill that they, they're passing in Congress and they're gonna give every federal employee $14,000. Now, if you're a person who lost your business in uh, Medina, Ohio, that's got to make you about apoplectic, right? And that's just one example of the stupidity and the excess and the, you know, it's, it's uh, so it, everybody needs to see this because a lot of us were talking about that this was going to happen, but they didn't believe it. So now they're seeing it and uh, there's a lot more bad stuff that's going to come out. So I think we're going to see a big shift in the population. And I listened to a podcast last night that this guy said, uh, somebody who I listen to frequently, and he said, you know, we have sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. And out of this will come the greatest rise of humanity united together in the world that we have ever seen in the history of humanity. And I think that that's true. Right and and um, uh, justice and you know morality are going to be what prevails in the end. I hope so. That would be wonderful. What could possibly be in the mindset of some, like I think this, how, how could someone after this long still be scared? I mean, how many um, people do you think are actually really scared after this long? 
I think that stupid people, I, I mean, I, I don't know what else to call it. You know, it, it is a, you can spend 20 minutes looking online at the data that the government is providing and figure out that this, there's something wrong. You could make a handful of phone calls and figure out that something is terribly wrong. You could look at the actual map that the criminals are using and figure out that seven people died in Shanghai and it has two and a half times the population of Ohio. So how can we claim 16,000 deaths here? And if that were actually real data, why isn't our governor talking to the mayor of Shanghai and saying, what'd you guys do? Because you certainly did better than us. Maybe we should start doing it here. So I think it's stupidity. I think it's also, um, it's, again, COVID has exacerbated and brought everything to light that was already going on. So I had conversations with people. I listened to people and I I can be a good listener who would tell me about how they they think it's great for people to have a lot of free stuff, not having any understanding that somebody has to pay for it, you know? And so that type of mentality where I'm such, I have such little critical thinking ability that I don't understand that there's a cost associated with everything. That's the people who believe this now, right? That's the, that is the sheep. That is the sheep. The people who listen to Hitler say Jewish people are sick and they are diseased and we have to wall them in in Warsaw to protect the public. The people who believe that, they're they're terrible people, but they're also incredibly stupid. Well, well I kind of call it as I see it. Yeah, that's another that's yeah. another thing. I used to be a lot more politically correct before this, but but I, I really do think we have to, uh, the reason I'm hard on the sheep, really, it is because stupidity is not a defense. In other words, if I if I rob a bank, Okay. if I help rob a bank and then I go into court and I say, I had no idea that armed robbery was a crime. And, you know, Rich talked me into doing it. And I just went along. I was just driving the car. Actually, I didn't even go in. That's not a defense. Right. And so when you think about it, the only reason this has gone on. uh, Well, the only reason this has gone on as long as it did is because of the people who facilitated it. Okay, sure. I'll wear a mask. I'll eat Thanksgiving dinner in the yard. I'll um I'll have the swab shoved up my nose every time I show up for a medical appointment. If people had just said, I'm not doing it, this is ridiculous, it would have been over a year ago. But we had enough people who were willing to go along with the stupidity and still enough that it makes it harder to get rid of it. Well, what, what advice do you have if, uh, you know, I'm in another state, I go into a store and they go, you need to put your mask on. Like, what can you do? Well, you know, if you're if you're going to get insulin for your mother, I think you got to do whatever you got to do to get insulin for your mother. But I created a video on Christmas morning that, that uh, kind of went viral about the people. I, I don't get as much of it anymore because I think that people are really starting to do things differently. But I used to get emails every day from people talking about how badly they were treated at Costco. And I would always write back. So why do you have to go there? I've never been in a Costco, just so you know, never walked into any of them. And as far as the last time I checked, my health was good. My mental state was good, although some people might disagree. My life was good, having never gone in the place. So, so my point is that a lot of people are doing things that are unnecessary to do. I mean, I haven't been in a restaurant other than the few places you can go without masks where we have fundraisers and that sort of thing for a year. I'm, sur- I'm fine. 
you know, and I will not go into a place that makes me wear a mask and I'm willing to wait until. And so that puts pressure on the system. The more people start doing this, the more it's, it's like the, the local health officials and pushing the pressure upstream. Well, if the restaurants are saying, look, you let us open, but most people won't come in here because they don't want to wear a mask. So we're still starving. So we're going to go bankrupt and the employment unemployment funds already bankrupt and you put pressure on the system. So lots of non-compliance would end this very fast. I mean, is there anything that individuals can do or is it just be part of the non-compliance? That's the best thing you can do. Well, that's part of it. And then the other thing is join Make Americans Free again. We're the people who are filing the lawsuits. We're the people who are preparing the opinions on the small business and all that sort of thing. We're the people teaching. We invented small business rescue. We're teaching people how to rescue their own communities. We're teaching people how to congregate. We're, you know, we talked before we started this about the mental health of people. These Thursday groups that we've started all over the country, and there are thousands of them. This is one of the ways that people are staying sane. I mean, the people, our Thursday group is, and we've given birth to dozens and dozens of Thursday groups all over the state uh, here in Ohio, but this is a way for people to be in the same room with one another. You know, separating us from one another was a very smart move for them, but it really destroyed people. So uh, the Thursday yep. groups that you can join and you can get involved in small business rescue, you can come to fundraisers and help raise money for the attorneys and all this can be done a lot faster. In fact, if I had all the money that's been squandered on stuff that didn't work, I could file in every state tomorrow, you know? Um, so stop doing stuff that doesn't work. Come join with us because we actually have a pretty winning strategy. Well, tell listeners a little bit about uh, the lawsuit in Ohio and what are the states you have it and what's the premise of it and what's an update on it? Yeah, so the, the big thing that we're doing differently is a, a lot of lawsuits were filed by well-meaning people who were making an honest and exact right claim. Our, our constitutional rights are being violated. True story, right? The problem is that the government would come back and say, well, it's an emergency. And that's, by the way, if you try to sue stores and that sort of thing, they'll say, well, the governor has an emergency, so we're just responding to the emergency. So we actually are claiming that there is and was no emergency. And so none of this stuff is justified. And if you if, if we win, and we only have to win one, so we file in 45 states, say, and all, only have to win one of these, and it all starts falling apart by proving in court that it's um, uh, that there is no emergency, going to the heart of the matter, addressing the cause. And when you say there's no emergency, the government's response can't be, it's an emergency. Now they actually have to prove it in court and they can't do it. So they've spent all the time since we filed trying to get it thrown out, which they haven't done successfully yet. So we filed in Ohio on August 31st and that's why our state did not shut down the second time. We were the model state, by the way, I don't know if you know that, we shut down first. And we were the model state because our governor at the time, um, very popular, would be a good television personality for Sunday morning. Nobody wants to talk to him now because he's lost control here. We didn't have another shutdown. But uh, then we filed in New Mexico and the little empress um, took the stay at home order off and she opened up outdoor dining and things are getting better there. We filed against the feds. And um, uh, we filed a temp for a temporary restraining order a couple of weeks ago against um, the fake PCR tests and the very unusual method of determining death from COVID, which they invented just for COVID-19. And they just started combining um, pneumonia, influenza, and COVID all together in response to that. So there are five, three more states we're working on right now. Two will be ready to go, I would say, no later than end of March. And a third one maybe in April, but we want to do it everywhere. And we can do it in any state where people will build a ground game like we have here. We can raise money like you can't believe with, because of lots of people. In other words, it's not big donors. It's just 
thousands and tens of thousands of people who come up with $5 here and $10 there and buy a ticket to a fundraiser and it adds up to, you know, 10, 15,000 a week. When you put out a fundraiser, you say like help Bob's, you know, clam restaurants and he's, he's been hurt by the, you know, the scandemic and we need everyone to come together and patronize his place or, you know, he's doing like a, a crawfish boil or like, how, what does one look like? Well, fundraiser, we did one. We did a Valentine's Day. We, we decided that we not, we haven't been dressed up. I, I live in sweatpants and make Americans free again sweatshirts, right? So we decided that I haven't had a dress on for a year. So we had a formal like cocktail dress, cocktail party for Valentine's Day. And we had it at our office. And, um, and so my Thursday group is because it was the first one, you know, it's big. So I said, okay, you guys, we want to make sure the whole ticket money goes to the attorneys. So I need $2,000 to pay for all of the food and champagne and the whole nine yards. We had that in 60 seconds. I'm not kidding. 60 seconds. People put up the money. Okay. I need 10 people to help make the food, set things up, decorate. And the whole night we had that in 60 seconds. So we had a fabulous night. Again, the fundraisers are like social events, right? Because nobody has any anymore. So we had about 110 people and uh, we charged $75 a ticket and all that money went to the attorneys. Plus we had raffles and that sort of thing that night because everything was paid for. And then we have another one coming up in two weeks um, in March, second weekend in March. And we have like 350 people who bought a $40 ticket and everything's paid for. So it all goes to the attorneys. So th that's what we do for fundraising. And then for, for like talking about Bob's clam restaurant, that's having a trouble, uh, having trouble staying in business, then we'll, if we can't go there unmasked, then we'll just make big orders there. Or um, you know, like I said, we'll buy everything well, someone, in the shop if, or whatever. If someone wants a fundraiser, why would they enforce masks if people came to the restaurant? Well, the, the problem is that if, if they are uncomfortable, like they'd have to close their restaurant. In other words, what happens is the is the, the masked scared people, unless there's a separate entrance or whatever, would be hysterical about us, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes people don't care. Like we had a one fundraiser we had, and this is kind of an interesting story. It's up in the Northeastern part of the state. And the owner of the restaurant, when we when I walked in, it's like one of the few places I've been since this all started. The restaurant looked like none of this had happened. No plexiglass, all the chairs, all the tables. There were a hundred and some of us packed in there and there were other people from the community and there the parking lot was packed. If you were driving by, you would have known big event going on. He said, the owner said that the local authorities had been in three times and each time he said, well, do, do whatever you want. But if you try to do anything to me, I'm going to sue you and we're going to end up in court with a jury trial and you're going to have to make sure that your actions are justified or else I'm going to win. And then they never came back. So so there, there, are, there are some places you can do that, but there are some people who are justifiably concerned that having a bunch of masked people in their restaurant might make the masked wonders scared and then they would call and you end up with a big scene and all that. Well, yeah. When, when would it be a problem? So if I'm a restaurant owner, let's say, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I know some of my customers will cry, but this is too important for me to pass up. And you guys yeah. come and when customer screams and calls the health department, what would happen then? And in my well, any worse situation, then see some people just don't want to fight. I don't care. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to fight. So I don't really let that bother me, but some people just don't want that. I think that we're getting to the place where more and more, they're not going to care. Like one person, one business person who we rescued, we've, we've made sure that every month we did enough. We made sure enough sales happened at this place to keep it open. And um, she told me the other day, she said, May 1st, I'm just done with all this. I'm just done with it. I'm just going to open up and I'm just going to open up. And if she loses her food license and she it's food and some other stuff she does in there. 
because I'm, I'm willing to do it. So I think that there's less fear, but a lot of people don't want to end up in a legal scrap. So you're giving examples of uh, businesses where they tell the health inspectors piss off and they leave and it's done with. But when is it a problem where they won't leave? Does it just depend on the well, health I think it's a problem. Like- it's a problem when the person is afraid. And let me, I can give you a really good example of, of how this kind of happens. Okay, so everybody knows my stance. I haven't put a mask on my face since this started. I'm not going to, because to me, it's like a yellow star. Uh-huh. And that's just one more step toward that, right? So I'm not going to do it. Yeah. All right, I have a friend who, you know, just doesn't like confrontation. And we're still friends. She, she's on my side of what's going on here. But she says, I just, you know, I can't not, I can't be like you. I can't not go places and you know, so if the price of going to get paint to paint my dining room is to put a mask on, I'm going to do it. Well, that was uh, that was uh, before. And now I, I don't care. Um, she says, I walk in, I walk in without a mask. They say you have to wear a mask. I say I don't. I just keep walking. And sometimes they chase me and sometimes they give up. But I just don't do it anymore. Well, the, it, it, I think that that's the, the going back to something I said earlier, when you drag this out so much compliant people start to be non-compliant because it's like, this is nuts, right? I'm seeing that this is nuts. So we have more and more people, I think, who were just not, they don't like confrontation. I don't like it for the Mm -hmm. record, but I'm willing to engage in it. A lot of people don't like it and they don't want to have conflict in their lives. They don't want to invite that kind of thing. So they've been more go along to get along, but I think that's changing. I think that's changing a lot. Well, I've, you know, I've heard like there's a gym owner and, uh, in New Jersey that's been fined and they sucked money out of his bank account. He's really like a million down or something in fines. And I've seen videos of people being like strangled because they have no mask and attacked and beaten up. And I don't know, have you heard any of these? Uh, and what are yeah, those I've people? Seen, those I've seen all that. And, and and again, the guy in the, with the gym in New Jersey has stood, has stood by his stance, still open, find me more. I don't care. Arrest me. There's some people on, on um, Staten Island, Max Barr in Staten Island, same thing. And and we need those kinds of people. But I can understand. I mean, there's a, I differentiate between the person who says, I'm stir crazy, and I'm going to paint my dining room. And if I have to wear a mask in Home Depot for 15 minutes, okay, versus that's, that's a whole different story than the person who at our meeting last night, one of our members read a, there had been an email thread in the township about, you know, virtual meetings and masks and all this kind of stuff. And this person had written in the thread, you know, this business of, we all know there's a pandemic and people who don't believe it are conspiracy theorists. And I wear my mask and it just infuriates me when I see other irresponsible people spreading disease because they don't really care about anybody else. That, that, that's different. That is totally different in my book. All right. Um, so my friend who just is not the kind of person who wants to have an argument with somebody, but has now gotten to the place where I'm just done with it. That That's a little bit of a different story. Well, uh, I want to give some resources to listeners. So where can they go to get your book and where can they go to find out about, you know, a Thursday event in their city and the lawsuit and, you know, how do they get onto your list and start finding yeah. out more from you? Okay. So my email address is pampopper at msn.com. That's easy to remember. My name, pampopper at msn.com. I do answer all my emails and uh, you can subscribe to my newsletter goes out on Monday. I send out four videos a week. We'll make sure that you get them wherever they're posted. 
uh, if you're a direct subscribe with us. So that's all free. We're going to start a new lecture series called Curious About COVID. It's a one-time lecture on just going through some basic facts and some people can send, you can, anybody can watch it free one time. It's live and interactive. And it's also a place your skeptical friends who are kind of paying attention now, you can refer them to that. We'll, our people are really well-trained to go over facts. So that's free. MakeAmericansFreeAgain.com is our activist website. I do a free call every Thursday at noon for 150 people who want to start activism in their state so we can help. We can't help you if you don't help yourself, right? So if you want to start Thursday groups, um, I do this conference call free every week, Thursday, noon, Eastern time. And then you can start a Thursday group. By the way, it's okay to meet on Wednesday. We just call them Thursday groups because that's how we started. And then um, if you, uh, my, my company's website is wellnessforumhealth.com. You can buy a uh, COVID operation on Amazon. They took the uh, Kindle version off. That's part of the censorship crap that goes on, but you can get a downloadable version at wellnessforumhealth.com. You can get an autograph copy by calling our office at uh, Wellness Forum. So uh, that, those are the websites. That's the email address. We do lots of free stuff for people. We have free stuff all the time. We do sell stuff too, but we try to do a lot to help the community. And I put out a ton of free information every week. Okay. Well, Pam, thanks again for coming. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Take care. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.